0: Hello, Trash Crusaders. Welcome to episode 15 of Save Trash Cinema, the podcast where exploitation and exploration come. Together, it is I, your humble host, your guide through trash cinema, and your favorite dumpster boy, Cayman mm-hmm. Darty. And on today's episode, we're jumping across the pond to fight climate change and an <laughs> alien monster thing when we cover <laughs> the 1992 Rutger Hour fuckfest split second. But before we go any further, let me introduce you to my favorite bad boy, the baby oopsie daisy to my jack attack. The only big booty bitch I have space in my life for. Patrick Swagger, I'm honored to be
1: here. I'm honored to be the only big booty bitch you have space for in your life. I'm honored to be the baby oopsie daisy to your jack attack. Truly is just an honorable moment for me. Uh, so thank you for having me. You're very welcome. He does well have going. a little
2: bubble butt.
0: He does. He's little. It's beautiful. And that other voice, you might remember him. He's back again. And the only thirteen-inch toy he's reviewing this time is the Bulge and Rutger Hour's
2: leather pants. Hey, baby, Jeremiah Hobbs. Let's fucking go. Split second. I liked this movie. I just want to say right off the bat, we we don't know if we're gonna can it or or save it, but uh, for a lot of really stupid reasons. I had a great time watching this movie. Thanks for having me back, boys.
0: Oh, we're so happy to have you here, man. Uh, But before we jump in any more, let's do a little quick housekeeping. We'd love it if you rated and reviewed the podcast on your podcast app of choice. Don't forget, you can be on the show by submitting movie recommendations or by being a guest host by emailing us at SaveTrashCinema at gmail.com or you can DM us on Twitter at cinema or on Instagram at cinema as well. Make sure to check out last week's audience submission episode when we cover the modern grindhouse trash piece. The VelociPastor. We will be continuing to release mini-sodes, crossover episodes, and interviews periodically. So keep your eyes peeled for some exciting content coming down the pipeline. We also have a Discord server and are dishing out some behind-the-scenes look at how STC is put together, sneak peeks at upcoming episodes, special family movie night events, and it's just, you know, a really cool community of trash crusaders. So come on over and join us there as well. But enough housekeeping, enough time-wasting, enough jibber-jabber. Let's get on with an overview of Split Second. Paranoid people with guns are a menace to society. Split Second is a 1992 action horror film directed by Tony Malom and written by Gary Scott Thompson. Tony Malom isn't known for much outside of directing the 1981 trash classic, The Burning. Skrr!
1: We gotta pull over, boys. <laughs> we gotta, we gotta... Pump wow. the brakes because we're we're not three minutes into this podcast and we already got some trivia. Tony Malom couldn't finish the movie due to all the stress he went through during production. Oh, no. So Ian Sharp and others took over and completed it. Sharp finished, or excuse me, Scott, uh, Sharp filmed the final action scene in the subway and some additional scenes, which is why he is credited as co-director in the end credits. Honestly, this... Everything makes sense now. Everything about this movie makes sense. That the director couldn't even finish
0: directing this movie. <laughs> I mean, how how great is that? I just yeah, I just love it. But we'll get into why that makes sense here in a minute. The big name here in the the directing and writing world, though, is Gary Scott Thompson. While the name might not be the most recognizable, unless well, unless you're Patrick. Uh, you might know him from his work from such films as the Jim Belushi led Buddy Cop film, K911. Yes. Kevin Bacon's Hollow Man, or potentially as the creator of the billion dollar movie franchise, The Fast and the Motherfucking Furious. Look, <laughs> I'm surprised
1: it's taken this long, but I think we are now officially one step closer to finally covering the fast fucking franchise on this goddamn podcast.
0: Sure. But you know, I am thinking I was, I'm going to give you a little early birthday present, Patrick. Yeah. For your birthday. Yeah. I think we should do fast and the furious just for you. Just for but your I,
1: birthday. I don't disagree. In fact, I think we, my birthday is going to be once a month because we're going to have a 10 month event.
0: Jesus Christ. I <laughs> think,
2: uh, and I want you to know that it's one of my favorite film franchises of all time. Uh, I do think it fits in this uh, podcast arena. Um, I just think it's about time that the Fast and Furious writers got their due. And I think we yeah. are the ones to give it to them, you know? Yeah. And and yeah. I,
1: I, Jeremiah has to be on the episodes in which we do Fast and Furious.
2: The All people right, responsible yeah. for the line. I said, I don't want to talk about it, cuh. Cu.
1: I mean, I, if, I, if, I, if I may.
2: Oh, sure. no,
0: please. Please say it right. Yeah. I said, forget about it, cuh. <laughs> i fucking hate both of you the story goes as such the year is 2008 global warming has melted much of the polar ice caps resulting in serious flooding around the world including in the city of london which is now under several feet of water the ensuing chaos a new killer has emerged one that's unnatural unrelenting and unstoppable maverick veteran policeman harley stone has a link with the killer It murdered his partner, and he will do whatever it takes to bring the killer down. As a new rookie cop is assigned to him, Stone must find the killer, rescue his girlfriend, and fight off his own inner demons as he gets closer to his mysterious adversary. But when the killer is a vicious 10-foot-tall alien creature, even in the future... There aren't guns big enough to stop the creature's deadly rain. I'm sorry. I just got unhinged there because this story, man, is fucking insane.
2: We need big fucking
0: guns. Oh, boy. Okay. So the film itself, it features a cavalcade of stars, such as the aforementioned Rutger fucking hour from Blade Runner, the Hitcher, and one of my personal favorites as well as Jeremiah.
2: A mm-hmm. hobo with a
0: shotgun oh it also stars kim cattrall from big trouble in little china as well as sex in the city famous voice actor alistair duncan uh from god of war shadow of mordor in the mass effect series as well as michael j pollard from tango and cash and pete posseway from jurassic park the lost world as well as the usual suspects the film runs for an hour and 30 minutes and currently has a rotten tomato score of a 100- hundred no that's not right a rotten tomato score of nothing because only four people <laughs> had the balls enough to fucking remove this movie. And oh, you know no. what? Of those four people, let me tell you, and you guys are going to be shocked by this. If we could get a score from them, 25%. Am I shocked? That's a fucked up score. You can currently purchase the film on physical uh, media for around $20, or you can catch it playing for free on both Pluto and guess what? Motherfucking Tubi. It it's is on also Amazon worth- Prime, too. Oh, shit. Just, okay, then know, yeah. there you go. It's also we worth got our first big one <laughs> that there is a censored version <laughs> on YouTube that Patrick found. So if you don't like blood or boobies, you can catch a more quote unquote safer work film on YouTube. Yeah, I what? started watching it on YouTube and it, there's a scene in which you
1: see uh, a woman naked and she was completely blurred out. And I'm like, hmm, this Odd. doesn't seem like a choice by the film. And then about 30 seconds later, Recker Hauer says the F word. And it was bleeped out. I was like, ah, this is censored. So, of course, I chose the ad-supported uh, platform of Tubi instead, even though mm-hmm. the YouTube version was ad-free. I would rather watch ads and have nothing censored than it be ad-free and censored.
0: I don't dis- – just in this movie in particular, you really have to see it uncensored because yeah. Rugger Hour's dialogue is honestly probably the best written dialogue we've ever seen in a film ever. Uh, But with enough of the overview, we've done it. Did you say probably? Uh, Fuck you, Patrick. (laughs) Fuck you, Jeremiah. Let's take some time to discuss some initial thoughts. Now, on this episode, we're going to do things a little bit different. Um, I'm actually going to step in and give my initial thoughts and explain to the audience why I picked this film in particular for us to review.
2: Explain to us why you're going first, too, Cayman. Tell us.
0: Well, because we fucked this up every other time before. (laughs) So initial thoughts for me, the reason why I chose this film for this particular podcast is 100% only because of Rugger Hour. His performance in this movie is absolutely fucking unhinged. It is one of the most insane things I've ever seen put on paper or film or whatever. It is wild. And I wanted to, to subject Patrick especially to this mm, because right. I really felt like he deserved it. And then I also know that Jeremiah loves Hobo with a Shotgun. And I was like, fuck it. This is a perfect opportunity to get him some loving. So I went with split second 100% to make other people suffer. <laughs> and that's enough about me, Patrick. Why don't you jump in? Tell us what you thought uh, before watching, just from your basic knowledge before yeah. you got into the film. What did you think you were going to get into?
1: So you sent me the trailer, and I watched the trailer, and I did a little little uh, research on the internet. And my my first question, which I actually posed to you, was, "How does this count as trash cinema?" I, I based on the trailer, based on a little bit of research I did, it just seemed like your average '90s sci-fi cop thriller um now as we got through the movie that changed a little bit for me uh but it took a while i'm not gonna say you know anything about the movie but i was a lot of the like my i was kind of just expecting your you know for the time like not even post-apocalyptic something maybe just during apocalypse type sci-fi cop thriller um And, but I mean, Rutger Hauer, great actor. Uh, I didn't realize, like I didn't uh, know like the breadth of talent in this movie. So that was, it gave me some, some um, positive vibes going in once I saw who all was in this movie. Um, So yeah. And hey, global warming. What's more of the time than global warming came in?
0: We went from abortions to global warming. That's how we do it on the STC podcast. Jeremiah, tell us what you thought, your initial thoughts going into the film. What did you think was going to happen? Split second.
2: Sure. Yeah, so first you told me it was split second, and I thought um, that George Clooney, Jennifer Lopez movie from the 90s, and then I realized that was out of sight, and then I asked what split second was, and you told me it was a prequel to, uh, to Hobo with a Shotgun, and I didn't realize you meant a spiritual uh, prequel, but... It actually really runs kind of like a great prequel to Hobo with a Shotgun. Because this dude is unhinged enough to definitely become a hobo who's holding a shotgun. So I watched it uh, thinking that maybe it was actually real uh, and had a really nice time. Also, I want you uh, to know that as we go through the plot of this movie... And this is not an initial thought. This is a um, a one-time only uh, bit that I'm going to do for this podcast. As we watched this movie, um, my daughter and I. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> How old is she again? Oh, she'll be two in September. Um, okay. She had a wonderful onesies. time. Uh, <laughs> yeah, with that devil's face on it. Um, I wrote. Uh, a bunch of uh, songs for Split Second the musical. Whoa. As it went on, I I decided this has to become a musical. Uh, there are some lines in this that uh, just have to be choruses to uh, some songs. So uh, as we go through the plot, I'm going to introduce you to the songs in Split Second the musical. And I want Fantastic. you to know that uh, number three, and I won't bring it back up, but number three, the song title is. Uh, holy shit, the writer of this wrote The Fast and the Furious. And I really think that'd be a great ensemble song, um, uh, a big uh, number with everybody on stage. So um, we'll go through it, but I I just want to introduce you to Split Second, the musical.
0: I I can't can't believe that. It's going to be Rutger Hauer's Ghost and Vin Diesel just on stage together. Ooh, (sighs) Sign me up, baby. Well, enough of our initial thoughts. Why don't we get the fucking show on the road, guys? split second everyone he can hear its heartbeat where
1: would he go he knows it's out there somebody must have seen something he knows what it can do you telling me there's something running around loose in this city ripping the hearts out of people and eating
2: them maybe he eats them for breakfast now it's really
1: pissing him off it has no motive
0: it gives
1: no warning But one thing's for certain.
0: We gotta get bigger guns! It ain't no pushover. Rutger Hauer. Split second. Nice timing. Split second. London, 2008. Text cups on screen. After 40 days and nights of torrential rain, the city is largely submerged below water a result of the devastating effects of continued global warming. The warnings ignored for decades have now resulted in undreamed-of levels of pollution, where days become almost endless night. We cut to a dark alley. A hunk of a man comes waltzing down, holding a machine gun, smoking a cigar, and grabbing his nuts. Mm -hmm. Rutger fucking hour!
2: Yeah, baby, and as we uh, as we get started, the um, the entrap uh, for the for the musical is going to be called police exclamation point slash get out of my way because uh, he says that about twenty times mm. to different people who are definitely not in his way. Yep. He goes out of his way. He does the swerve to like get in people's way and then push them out. That's uh, that's a real dick cop move. Also, I. I don't know. I The opening shot of
1: this, of Rutger Hauer's character, not the, um, the 20, 2008 global warming part. <laughs> uh, they do that like close up on the boots, close up on the belt, close up on the glasses. And I know the intention here was to make him look like a total badass. But once yeah. he starts walking down the hallway with his gun, I was like, I'm sorry, but he looks like a complete fucking doofus right
2: now in this world. Uh-
0: I don't know what the fuck you're talking about.
2: <laughs> this was the Harley moment that Stone. I started writing it. I started the- writing the musical at that point. Yeah. Good. Of
0: course. Detective Harley Stone is arguably one of the most badass characters in probably the history of the world. Okay, Patrick? Okay. <laughs> some might okay. say that.
1: These- <laughs> some might say that.
0: I literally just said it. So yeah, yes. and you're
1: some, and maybe it happened. Right. This hasn't um, got live yet.
0: Guess what? Detective Harley Stone gets into a police jeep and then drives off. Uh,
1: it's worth noting here, came in that the atmosphere production design and cinematography of this film was a big influence on David Fincher. When crafting his vision for success, seven in... and that's seven, but with the seven in the middle, seven sure. and
0: Jeremiah, would I you got like to it. take over as the second chair on this podcast. Here's my question. Patrick's allowed here. I thought happen. it was,
2: well, I thought it was the uh, inspiration for the David Fincher film *Social Network*. Uh that too. Don't they drive Here's, jeeps in the rain? They sure do. Here's my question: According to whomst,
1: was this film uh, according to David? Did Mister Fincher say
0: this? To, uh, yep, that's exactly what happened. Okay. Yeah, David came out. Mister, we're friends, but Uncle Uncle Finch is what I like. Uncle him Finch. Called. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I forgot. That's that's on me. That's my bad. You should view. Yeah, you definitely forgot.
2: I do love, though,
1: that they really lean into the global warming vibe to where the only vehicles that work in this world are four by four Jeeps Mm -hmm. and (laughs) riverboats. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) There's so much water in the streets that there are people just straight up bringing in perps in a riverboat. Like fucking what's that Burt Reynolds movie with the riverboat? Gator, 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 gator or Deliverance, Gator,
0: or yeah, or Deliverance. You know, actually, I once heard that um, this movie helped inspire Al Gore's political career. Whoa, I, you know, I believe that. I believe that. Yeah, we also call him Uncle Gory. Yep, Uncle, good old Uncle Gory. We see a squad of police saying that they're looking for Detective Stone, that he's armed and he's dangerous. We cut to a club, the leather bound beefcake is out front. We hear heartbeats. And the guy steps out of the car and walks into the club. A dog jumps out at him. And he whips his police badge out, shoves it in the dog's face and says, Police, dickhead. I did like this moment a lot, actually.
1: (laughs) (laughs) As if the dog was a sentient doorman for this club. And he, like, with not not an ounce of irony,
2: Detective Harley Stone says, Police, dickhead.
0: Just just really hates this fucking dog. Oh, and winds
2: up having a problem with that dude for a while. Like, he has yeah. a problem with that pooch for a minute.
0: Oh, yeah. He just, Him and that dog do not get along. While in the club, someone is watching him. He makes a call on the payphone, and we find out this slab of daddy is Detective Stone, and he was just suspended. He watched a stripper do a booby dance, and then he climaxes... <laughs> And then a woman screams off screen. What? And did he wrecks. The- <laughs> yeah, did you guess not to that part where he comes? Well, no.
1: here's the thing something, a really important piece that we actually are skipping is that the name <laughs> of this club is just simply
2: JJ's. Oh, but J A Y J A Y Y S. yeah.
0: Okay, what you don't realize is, and we don't have any British people on here to back me up here, but I, our British audience knows JJ's is slang for boobies, okay? Sure. Is it not Vijay? Is that is that not, not the implication here? J. No, no, there's okay, no
2: Vajayjay's every time on the screen. I, every yeah, time I've gone there. on this podcast, there's been more and more fake news, and I'm I I am here for it. <laughs> we hold on. I don't know. You're saying
0: fake news. This is entertainment. We're teaching people real things. Like just, just call boobies JJs.
1: I almost just straight up spit my drink all over all of my equipment
0: just now. Uh, so, like I wherever- said.
2: Sure, sure. Go ahead.
0: Detective Harley Stone watches a stripper do a booby dance. He mm-hmm. then comes his leather pants. A woman <laughs> screams. I don't understand. what you? Did you? Did we not watch the same movie, guys? I really don't think that happened. I don't. I, really
2: I don't, don't know. Remember this? In the movie. I don't. Well, I don't remember him coming his pants, but I'm a, I'm a big fan of it. <laughs>
0: Go back and watch the. Apparently, you guys didn't watch this movie. <laughs>
2: oh, I must I have mean, looked down. I, I, I really mean, shouldn't have credit, shown my two-year-old this movie.
1: <laughs> to my credit, I did watch the first fifteen minutes on YouTube, so maybe they censored out. <laughs> maybe they the cut it. The visceral coming scene of Rutger Howard. This movie. There are some okay. cut
2: scenes in this movie, though. You're right. Like there are a couple of little moments where I go, "Did that just happen?" Like. It's like it was on a different reel that got connected to it or something, and so there's a moment where something happens, and maybe Rutger went, ah, ah he did, and then it was that's over. Exact, that's Great. exactly. That's I what missed happened. it, but yeah, he you definitely came you, his pants. I believe a, you.
0: Yeah. Oh, he 100. He comes his pants. Okay. Then, then he hears there's a <laughs> scream off screen, so he goes, he fucking just with a full erection, just goes running towards the bathroom. I'm editorializing. Well, not anymore. We don't see below his, his belt book. He goes right to the bathroom to find a mutilated corpse of a woman in the bathroom. He then turns around and he yells at a bunch of people, calls the dog a dickhead again, then mm-hmm. catches the sight of a blood trail, runs outside, outside the club, he screams just belligerently about hearing a heartbeat, and then a cop opens the door and he just fucking kicks it in the dude's face.
2: Love it. And this is how I this have two things goes. to say. Uh, I have two things about this. One, um, if he did in fact, and I don't want to get too graphic here, but if he cum did in pants? fact just come his pants, and PSPs. then has to run in come stained leather pants with the post uh, come like erection still, that's mm-hmm. so uncomfortable. Yeah, if, that's like a that really. I mean, does that ever <laughs> happened to you? So this uh, what this. Uh... <laughs> This
0: piece of trivia was not included in the script. I thought it would derail us, but we're already derailed, so sure. I'll include it now. They I actually had to shoot this entire scene without sound. Because between the mixture of the erection and the drying jism in his leather pants, it sounded sure. a lot like this. Uh, 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 uh. And that was just the sound of that friction happening downstairs. It, it couldn't bring any sound. They had to add sound back in. It was too Look, gooey. I, I just because i watched the censored version i'm
1: just not ready to accept that rucker howard nutger howard in this movie and i didn't get to see it i'm i'm just not you gotta go back i'm not willing to accept this this truth
2: i'd also like to introduce the first um the first song from the leading man hopefully rucker howard <laughs> in split second the it's, musical it's Ghost, yeah, which is called um i'll find you you fuck Mm-hmm. Which is a great line. Just a great line. That's a good
0: title of a song.
2: We Anyone's cut. welcome to start singing these at any point, by the way. Yeah, you would can give your, guitar guitar. your best you? rendition. I'll find you, you fuck. That's good.
0: We cut to the River Thames or whatever. I know absolutely nothing about know. Britain. Outside of fish and ships <laughs> and the boobs are called JJ's in Britain. Sure. Two cops are in a, in a boat and they're talking about Detective Stone. They say he's gone off the deep end after his partner died three years ago. And then he has guilt over boning his partner's wife. Mm. They also say he lives on, and I quote, anxiety, coffee, and chocolate. Also, one of the cops is going to be Stone's partner. There's also, there's a, a, a factoid about
1: him, his character that we kind of glossed over, which is mm. anytime he is touching any sort of plastic, he immediately just litters. Like he's in his car, he's drinking a cup. He just tosses it. He and also he bl- he lights his cigars
2: with a blowtorch. Sure. Well, his it's lighters are always not fucking working. You know why? Sure. Water. Fucking global warming. Oh, yeah. True. The water. It's
0: all that. It's all that rain. I get it. We cut to Stone as he's banging on a jail cell because he's been locked up. Oh, and they let shot. him out of his prison cell. He gets his gun and badge back, and an officer tells him the captain wants to see him.
1: Interesting note here. Yes. I mean, what a performance here by Hauer. Mm. in the cell, just <laughs> post-JISM, just no, that is him
2: orgas that was him orgasming. That's called post-nut
0: guilt,
1: guys. Yeah, it's the it's the is the PNG, the post-nut guilt. The no! interesting thing, though, is that. Gary Scott Thompson, my personal lord and savior, mm. wrote this script with Harrison Ford in mind for the lead role, but was happy that Nutker Howard was cast. In fact, Howard Howard loved the script, which is why he wanted to do the movie. I just how interesting too that you know they have the the history of that boring ass movie Blade Runner
2: together, yeah. and this is mm. the one that he wanted. Uh, he sure. wanted Harrison
0: Ford. Could you, know you know imagine what I like about you reading Ford? that trivia?
2: Mm. you know what i like about you reading that trivia Mm. nobody said anything about how much harrison ford fucking hated this script sure you just talk about how much Nutker howard liked it yeah uh and i'm gonna just adopt it too by the way because every time you say it i keep giggling into the mic (laughs) so good uh, we're gonna go with Nutker howard for the rest of the pod
0: in the police chief's office stone says the killer's back and then is introduced to his new partner detective dick durkin
2: Oh, Stone my favorite <laughs> character in the movie. What a Spoiling. name.
0: Dick Turkey. Obviously, dude, I'm sorry. The names and the characters in this movie are fantastic. Yeah. Stone says he works alone, and the chief tells him to fuck off. Before they I leave work the alone. police station, though, Stone gets a mysterious box delivered to him. Inside is a human fucking heart with a bite taken out of it.
2: Yeah. I work alone is also a... a, a that's going to be a duet between... Uh, Nucker and dick durbin yeah is it dick durbin, dick durbin. <laughs> dick Durkin, dick durkin did not watch like a merkin but with a d
1: the, so i'm watching i'm watching this movie last night with my wife rose and my not legal wife devin and sure. we're like an hour into the movie and dick durkin is just like what a what a great performance by dick i really and, like him in this movie and Truly. devin just turns to me and she goes what's his name? I said, Alistair Duncan. She goes, is he happy? (laughs) (laughs) Like she just really hoped that he's had like a, a successful (laughs) career and that he's still working because she liked his performance so much. And he seems so sweet that she just wants him to be happy.
0: Good for Devin. He is the, he
2: is the comedic force in this movie. He is the heart of this movie. Yeah, for sure.
0: (laughs) Nutger hours. Fuck you guys. Stone goes back to the club. He lays down on the bathroom floor, sees a message on the mirror saying, I'm back, and then is accosted by the club owner. And then the dog comes back out. Except this time, Dick Stone, Dick Stone, not Dick Stone. I mean, <laughs> yes. He's technically Dick Stone. He's Dick Stone. <laughs> um, Detective That's the porn Stone. version of this one. This time, he doesn't really care too much about the dog. I mean, he likes the dog in the scene, which is weird. But the thing is, he feeds the dog a piece of chocolate.
2: Ugh, rough.
0: Which we'll also story. cover a piece of chocolate that was pulled off of his fridge.
1: Yeah, which we when we get there, we really have to unpack that. <laughs> but here's a, here's a quick little anecdote. Uh we had a dog named Una. May Una rest in peace. U-N-A. Uh oh, one no. Easter. One Easter. I'd say rest she, in peace
2: about a chocolate. Well, story. no, no, no.
1: So that's the thing. That's this is where it takes a turn. One one Easter, Una ate like four pounds of chocolate. I'm the youngest of five siblings, five children. I have four siblings, and my mother, great mother Louise, if you're listening, I'm sure you aren't. You always knocked Easter out of the park. She would get us our own like pound of chocolate. Mm-hmm. We got your, we got your eggs. We got your fucking Easter bunnies. We got your fucking Reese's.
2: Pieces. Is that like a? Is that like a pound of flesh? Is that how you celebrated Jesus's death with and resurrection? Cool. Una ate four out of the five kids chocolate.
1: And we were like, this is it. Una's going down. She lived another like 10 years.
0: <laughs> Fuck yeah. yeah. Just saying, before see, she died one. of chocolate
2: poisoning before <laughs> it finally later, reached sad. her colon. Just saying.
0: <laughs> 10 years later. Well, Dick Durkin and Stone then get a call on a radio about another murder. So they head over to the scene of the crime. At the crime scene, they see a corpse with its chest torn open, missing a heart. A rat then jumps out and Stone blows it up.
2: Can we talk about to. something really quickly? Yeah. And I don't mean to take too deep of a detour. <laughs> <laughs> Cayman, it's okay. Listen, is so mad at us right now. <laughs> this, this pod's going to go two and a half hours. When I was in New York, my wife and I lived in a really great apartment. And at one point, I was standing there talking to her and I swore that I saw a rat run like by her in the background and I freaked out and she convinced me that I was just paranoid that night that I had seen something. And then ultimately she was in the bathroom and she was with the rat like in the bathroom and she starts screaming, running out of the bathroom. We couldn't catch it. It finally ran underneath my trash can in New York. I picked the trash can up to see where it was. It tried to run out from under it. I'd knocked the trash can down. It caught the rat mid-belly. I swung the uh, broom that I was holding onto the top of the trash can over and over and over again until I slowly smushed this rat to death. I'm sweating all the way down to my uh, belly button. And then I started crying because I <laughs> killed an animal. <laughs> I I didn't know vividly, what to do. Uh, and uh, so that's my, when I, when I saw that rat jump out in the scene, I was immediately triggered. I didn't like it. I felt like Dick Durbin and uh, I, I just wanted uh, to be done with this scene. So if,
1: if you're, if you're a representative of the, of the organization PETA and you're listening, all of that is, <laughs> Uh, not true. None of he that. He doesn't care this, about rats. This
0: whole podcast is improv. Stone finds <laughs> his partner's rusted gun and Durkin notices some blood, bloody satanic markings on the ceiling. I do want to point out that it literally Stone walks over. He leans down and goes, hey, this is my partner's gun. And it's just like this rusted like six shooter. And he just tosses it aside like this means nothing. And then the other dude's like, oh, hey, look at the ceiling. There's blood all over the ceiling and it's satanic markings. Also, I don't know if you know this, but I am an expert on all things cults and satanic shit. That's
1: a that's a thing that they do a lot in this movie where like there will be they're like looking at something and all of a sudden there's blood dripping from the ceiling. They did the ceiling blood drip like four times in this movie.
2: I mean, if it works, it works they spent a lot of time talking about how uh, not Kurt was the best, that how he was like the best in the business, but he keeps getting suspended. He keeps going off the rails and there's never a time. I mean, I don't, I just don't see a a huge time in this movie where I think he is the the best. Like, I feel like there are a lot of movies where I see the main character actually be like unhinged, but be a brilliant, Person, and it feels like Dick Durbin uh, is the one who solves all the problems.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'm gonna laugh at you. All right, so outside of the apartment complex where the body is found, Stone runs out and has a mental breakdown in an alleyway. He begins firing his gun off in the air, screaming the word foster Mm -hmm. and then a bunch of cops jump out and tackle his ass to the ground we cut back to the police station dick and stone go to the shooting range and dick (laughs) exposition dumps about his credentials serial killers while stone literally blows up every single target that comes out Mm -hmm. while leaving he then pulls out while leaving he then pulls out the dental mold that he was given From the bite marking out of the human heart that they found and it is literally like dinosaur teeth
2: um uh, this is one of the songs in the musical it's called (laughs) 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 it's called why do i have its teeth i don't know that's a (laughs) that's a, a solo song uh I, see that. I, he he picks his. Or... I feel like None. it could maybe be like a duet, okay. uh, but he pulls these teeth out. And I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? What is happening here?
1: Yeah, I. And then he comes. Happens,
2: at this point, he comes, and <laughs> this happens in the movie.
1: I'm like, what am I watching? Where, like, out of <laughs> nowhere, this thing. Like, sure, I guess I should have inferred based on the amount of blood that this is a monster, not just a bad boy, but. I My brain hadn't put that together yet, so all of a sudden there's this dental mold. Like, what is this movie? Yeah.
0: So Stone then goes off on his own, and he heads to the London necropolis to pay respects to his dead partner. And while there, he runs into Michelle, played by Kim Cattrall, who we find out was his partner's wife, the one that he was fucking so we we know Kim control we do
1: five-time emmy nominated for sex in the city mm-hmm. but was couldn't be bothered to come back for the movie that came out earlier this year or late last year whenever that was tv show yeah it was a tv show you're right it was a, it was a, like a yeah you're right it was a limited time series
2: you gotta read uh, up on this shit it, it was pretty dramatic i think she uh, wasn't but- invited Oh, she wasn't invited? Oh, yeah, no. Yeah, her, her and uh,
0: Sarah Jessica Parker, like, hate each other. They have,
2: like, a, be- yeah, a thing. <clears throat> Justice for Kim.
1: Well, speaking of Kim, Kim Cattrall, uh, her hairdo, very, very iconic from this movie.
2: Kim. Mm. Iconic? Uh,
1: yeah, because this is the same hairdo she had in Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country, filmed not a year prior, 1991. Mm. This indicates that the shooting of the movie happened shortly after the completion of Star Trek VI.
2: Just saying, and, and I'd just like to say that uh, it said Kim Cattrall at the very top of the movie in big letters. And then I watched the movie and forgot that that was Kim Cattrall the entire time until you said Kim Cattrall at the top of this podcast. And I went, oh, shit, that's right. Uh, that's pretty wild. It's pretty wild that they have uh, all these famous people in this movie. Mm-hmm. They then go mm-hmm. back to Stone's disgusting hoarders complex.
0: It's full of guns. And pigeons
1: and Harley Mm. Davidson memorabilia. True, like it's his namesake. Why not?
0: Right, it's like, what
1: do I need to have just any company named Patrick all over my house? Is that how it works? In the you know what's what makes this even
0: better? He lives on like the fourth floor of this complex, meaning that he literally had to like drag a Harley Davidson up four flights of stairs and then stash it in his apartment.
1: That's actually not Um, how he got it there, Cayman there is a, a graphic novel prequel to this movie and in the graphic novel prequel he actually drives the motorcycle from the building across the street through the window cool. through the window
2: yeah. I heard that he paid um, While some I heard he paid some uh, some workers to bring it up the stairs and then he didn't tip him that's what I heard also that's at also this point <clears throat> there's a point uh, somewhere around this uh, this spot in the movie where I have a song for dick Durbin and it's called um, it's called. He takes toothpaste with his coffee, uh, so he's brushing his teeth, spits, takes a big old swig of coffee, doesn't swallow. The yeah. caffeine doesn't work. Yeah. You just gargled and spit, bro. Also, and it's all over his chin. Phrasing,
0: totally fine.
2: And it's all over his chin.
0: It's all over Let's his chin. Going. You would expect me to say next that they had <laughs> sex. However, that's not true. Stone falls asleep and dreams about his dead partner. Mm. The next morning, Stone looks out his apartment window and sees Durkin on top of his car doing yoga. Fuck you. (laughs) Down at the cars, Harley Stone walks out and sees now that Durkin is fast asleep in his car. So Stone being the bad boy that he is, he ties his shoe together, and then he sets the siren off so that Durbin, Dick Durbin, falls out of the car and then falls into like six feet of water because justice for Durbin. You know, justice, honestly, pretty pretty solid plank.
1: I mean it's plan. pretty solid pretty solid prank, but justice for Dick Durbin. All he was doing was taking a nice innocent nap, getting some Z's After some Tai Chi. Time.
2: Yeah. After
1: some time, and Nutterhauer has to come in here and be a big old bully.
0: All I'm saying, A Cab. We get a cut <laughs> to a first person view of the killer. It walks to one of the police cars and uses its claws to tear open the trunk, revealing a machine gun. Back in the car with Dick and Stone, Dick tries to give him a massage. So Stone pulls his gun out, presses it against Dick's face, and then threatens (laughs) to blow his brains out.
2: (laughs) He slaps him at some point and says, "Uh, don't ask me why I did that. that, I think that was my favorite line in the whole movie. He slaps him right (laughs) in the face. Don't ask me why I did that. That's also the end of Act 1, uh, just so you know.
1: Also, there's a thing the that I forgot to, to bring up after his scene with um with Kim Control. When he leaves the apartment the next morning or whatever. You know how a lot of people, this is kind of a visual thing, but you know how a lot of people, they'll put out a candle with a little like, tss, they kind of put their yeah, middle yeah. finger in their thumb. This mm-hmm. guy, as he's walking out and he puts a, a candle out, just like... Very like haphazardly, just like rubs his index finger on this candle <laughs> to put it out. So, like this man, he also spit on a cigar at one point. This man is insane.
0: They do they do a lot of work here to to really make him seem like the badass that he is and or isn't. Yeah. Now
2: here, I, I do have a question: How much of this and and maybe this isn't in the trivia, but how much of this do we think is Ruck is Nutker uh, Hauer? Sorry, I almost Almost, I I would say all every single bit of this is he's he he strikes me as maybe an unhinged actor, maybe somebody who like uh does some stuff on on set that you're like, okay, nutger, let's relax. Uh but spitting on the on the cigar, I was like, this guy's special, this guy's awesome. Like I wish I knew this guy, but in like a very limited amount. He reminds
0: me of uh, Jake. Ma- uh, what is his name? Um, Jason Manzukis from Brooklyn Nine Nine. Just like yeah. absolutely fucking unhinged all the time, like losing mm-hmm. his shit constantly. Mm-hmm. This is what he's based his character off of, hands down. Yeah, yeah. He Back definitely the... based
2: it on the Jason Manzukis character. No, no, no. From the Brooklyn 99. Nine. No, no, the no, flip no. Flip I heard man. it. Oh, Nucker based his performance on Jason Manzukis from Brooklyn Nine Nine. Continue. He's a precog. At the apartment,
0: (laughs) we see Michelle. She's getting a shower. And we get interlaced cuts of the killer lurking around the apartment and the cops eating breakfast, talking about how Stone might just be a psychic.
1: And it's at this moment when I'm watching this movie where I turn to my compatriots watching this film, and I'm like, Mm. I have have an opinion about film in general that this movie has brought out of me, Mm. which is we really, we really... Don't ever need to hear an actor eating. I just don't need it. I don't Don't need to hear the chomp chomps of the beans and the bacon. Don't need it. I I don't need that. I don't need that. that.
2: But that's the sound of Knucker Howard running with his cum pants.
1: That is true. Don't. I mean, I need that, but I don't need the sound of him eating some beans on toast.
0: See, what they're not telling you is it's not actually the sound. What they did is they took the sound they couldn't use from the club scene from before right. and then used okay. that sound. during. We got to put this like, in somewhere. Yeah, they're like, we can't waste this, right? Also, he
2: hands, uh, Nutker hands Dick Durbin his breakfast, and Dick looks at it like he is about to fucking explode his pants. That's true. He also, uh, and then he starts eating it, and every bite that he takes, he has a pause where he really enjoys this, like, spam and beans that that this dude's eating for breakfast. As if he's never eaten a meal in his life. Right. Well, he did fuck last night. We know that.
0: Dick is on a lot of coffee right now, guys. Okay. That's, true. that's that's why he's getting He's on a lot of coffee. All right. The radio buzzes. It. There's been a break in at Stone's place. He busts in and finds Michelle in the shower, and they both agree that something bad is happening. Then a scream shrieks out, and Stone and Dick burst into a second apartment when a shootout takes place. Dick is then blasted out a window, and Stone keeps flipping around the room shooting his gun. A big explosion happens and we get a glimpse of an alien-like creature run by. Inside of the bathroom, Stone finds a dead woman missing her heart. And Michelle runs in saying that she was bit by the creature. Yes.
1: Interesting little factoid here. We barely see the creature until the very end of the film, mm. as as you and our audience remembers. And I have a little, I have some trivia about that. There was discussion throughout production about the look of the monster and what exactly it would have been, which left Stephen Norrington only three weeks to design the creature. They talked about this so goddamn much that this guy only had three weeks to come up with a design, build it, costume it, film it.
2: And you know, you
0: because Rutger yeah. hour was like, no, "I don't like that. I don't like sure. it. It's not sure. phallic shaped enough for me yet."
1: Which you is have basically making
0: it more look like my giant penis
1: sure which i think is exactly why it just looks like a complete ripoff of the xenomorph from aliens
2: but you have to imagine that it like that the the director who was losing sleep and pulling his hair out and had to quit the the job was the one who was fucking up the the look of the of satan right like and maybe this new director came in and was like just make whatever the fuck you want and that dude had three weeks to make a very penis shaped very cool looking uh, yes. alien I have to say by the end yeah. I, I really enjoyed that scene but we'll get there
0: outside of the apartment Stone has another panic attack which leads to a flashback where we see Foster his partner being pulled underwater and then Stone being attacked by a monster
1: Uh-oh. Dick
0: surprises Stone at the hospital he ain't dead Stone then goes to see Michelle and they tongue punch each other's throat boxes for a hot minute
2: great Stone- uh, this is uh, this is a song um, this is a Dick Durbin song <laughs> Uh, <laughs> it's called I Get Late Every Night, so I'll Wait For You. He sits in that car and waits while Nutker and Kim Gatraw have s- full on sex for a while. Like they wake back up and they're in different clothes, and Dick is out in the car, uh, uh, waiting. That dude is very respectful.
0: Yeah. Stone finds out from the police report that they also found rat herpes and Foster's fingerprints at the scene of the crime. Also, the creature has all of its DNA in its body from all of its victims, yes. including stones. I just like, like breeze right past that. Yeah. Really important. <laughs> also, the rat herpes part <laughs> is just <laughs> bumpers sure. to me. Yeah. You know that Rutger was like, We got to include rat herpes.
2: They predicted we have COVID. to
0: include rat herpes. They were
2: one letter away from predicting COVID. Bat herpes.
0: Mm. Dick tells Stone that the monster didn't get the heart out of the last victim. Stone surmises that it'll come back to the morgue to try and retrieve it. So the two run off to the morgue to catch a predator. <laughs> Fuck yeah. Stone <laughs> is proved right when at the morgue they're attacked once more by the creature. Yes. Durkin loses his shit and starts screaming, we need bigger fucking guns. Yes. So guess what the cops do next? Get some big Fucking guns.
2: Oh my god, this is a second, this is a two, two cracker.
1: This is a two cracker. If he's getting anywhere near as drunk as I am right now, (laughs) the the rest of this episode is going to be wild.
0: Oh, don't worry, it's about to get really wild when I now expedition dump again. So bear with me while I try and clear up the plot for you and the audience. (laughs) So take a deep breath. Here goes. It's the 75th year of the Chinese calendar, and it's also 2008, so it's the year of the rat. But also, inverted triangles are also water signs, and a circle is a magic power, and everything and nothing is protected by it. A Scorpio is a spiritual being connected to the ethereal plane, and the most magical being is Satan. In layman's terms, Satan has come to Earth and is taking people's souls back to Hell.
2: And I'd like you to know, just audience that what came and did was verse two of the song, Satan is in deep shit, an ensemble number. Uh, and uh, so I don't know if you could repeat it, but that is, those are the lyrics to yeah. uh, verse two of that song. So I just wanted everybody to know that if you want to look for it, it'll be coming out in 2026. This exposition dump is an example came in,
1: of one of my biggest issues with this movie. We finished the movie. <laughs> what? We well. Here's the thing: we finished the movie, and we're like, "Why the fuck was this demon a thing?" Because this line, it just it's so quick, and there's so much information in it that when we hit credits, we didn't know, like we didn't understand the motive of the killer. We went back and watched. It was like, oh, it all makes sense. We just we all happened to miss. This one line that explained everything about this demon spawn.
0: This is why we do this podcast, Patrick, mm. is because we have to help sort through trash cinema sometimes. Sure. This is
1: sort of peel the onion.
2: And here's what I think. I don't want to get too like deep and spiritual on you, but sometimes... Demons just show the fuck up in your life. You know what I mean? Like Sometimes they show up because it's 2008, and they have some rat fucking herpes in them, and they're ready to go. And they're just naturally a Scorpio, ready to attack another Scorpio. I I don't know if you've met a Scorpio, but they're always ready to attack another Scorpio.
1: Roger Howard's son to my right right now is a Scorpio. Uh, (laughs) Sometimes it's 2008. Sometimes it's 2000 and late is all I'm going to say. Hey, back at Stone's wow. dump of
0: an apartment, he opens his fridge. Now, I want to <laughs> pause real quick. I need to explain that this fridge is it just imagine if you went to a dump and you took like a 50 year old fridge out of a dump and you just put it in an apartment. Then you took super glue or potentially just caramel. I don't fucking know. And you drew a heart on the side of the fridge and then put chocolates like Okay, this is where we're going to have to talk about this into a heart shape. That's on um, this fridge.
2: Patrick, I, I'm i going to cede the floor to you on this one because I, I feel like you have some some real thoughts on this chocolate on the fridge thing.
0: Yeah. Look,
1: I I think it is probably, like, without a doubt, I, including all of us on this panel today, including everyone that is ever listening to this podcast. This could be 15 years from now. Someone's listening to this podcast because they just learned about the greatest sensation that ever happened to podcasts, safe Tribe Cinema. <laughs> and they just got to the episode – all about Nucker Howard and Dick Durbin. Hmm. I love chocolate so much. It is like I am such a huge fan of chocolate. Is that what you wanted people to know? Fifteen years from <laughs> <ago>? now. <laughs> I. Like, what are we probably, talking about? Look, I probably like chocolate more than any of you fuckers combined. Okay. Why is there a heart of chocolate on this man's fridge? And how are they sticking to the door of the fridge? There's no fucking. What do you call them? Magnets. Mm-hmm. Like, what <laughs> is caramel. happening here?
2: Yeah, they caramel. took
0: they took caramel and they just put what? it in a heart don't shape. Buy it. So, there's a world in which Detective Harley Stone like boiled some sugar, made some caramel, and then took it and then made dollops on little heart shape on his fridge, and then put chocolates there and was like.
2: Well, this is the biggest show of global warming in the entire movie is that the dude goes, hey, I have some chocolate, shoves it against the fridge, and that shit sticks forever. It's like it's there for the rest of like for all time. (laughs) Look,
1: I just this nothing about this movie so far has has broken my level of my my disbelief. What do you call it? Suspension of disbelief. Sure. My mm. My disbelief has been so not suspended so far, or it has been suspended. I don't know. I'm drunk. You're falling apart. You're <laughs> falling apart. Feel free to cut anything I say from this point on. I just don't get it, honestly.
2: Oh, I loved it. This is also, if I'm not mistaken, doesn't Nutker take that heart out of the fridge and then just toss it straight out the window?
0: Yes, he does, which brings us to the point, which was... He opens the chocolate fridge. It's filled with blood. (laughs) There's a plate in the fridge with a human heart on the plate inside of the fridge.
1: Which also leads into, I think, my favorite scene of the movie, Mm. which it's Knucker Hauer, Dick Durbin talking to each other. And Alistair Duncan, who plays Dick, is just laughing his face off. Similar to how I was just thirty seconds ago. Yes, I love and this scene. Love the scene. There's a sexual tension between these two, Cayman, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. that yeah. is unspoken,
0: mm-hmm. and addressed with with said and I too.
1: It's. I wish that we got more of their story because I am certain that they are in love.
2: I completely agree with you, and I don't want to bring it all the way back, but. There is a reprise in act two (laughs) called Don't Ask Me Why I Did That, a reprise. And that is when he rubs his hair out of his face in this scene. He has a really sweet moment where he he takes his hair and pushes it out of his face. And he sings... Don't ask me how, why I did that. Uh, That's, uh, that's the reprise to him when he's actually nice to him. I really enjoyed, like, I liked their relationship through the movie. I thought that they, the two of them together did a really nice job. Yeah. Yeah. But interestingly, some trivia about this scene, when they were
1: filming this scene, Alistair Duncan was actually like, he couldn't keep it together. He kept laughing throughout the scene, but Rutger Hauer, excuse me, Nutger Hauer being a consummate professional Held it together so well that they decided to keep it in the movie because it seemed like
2: there it was a, a nice little
0: view it was one character. of the more
2: yeah natural scenes in the in the movie for sure. Water starts
0: gushing out of the bathroom door, and inside is Michelle taking a bath, being super upset about seeing a human heart in the fridge. <laughs> and the only cure for her was a a dub dub time in the tub-a tub tub time. Sometime later, Stone and Michelle are now chilling. Durkin radios him saying something is stalking the building. Then his comms go dead. Yes. Stone gives Michelle a gun and then goes looking for Durkin. During his patrol, he finds Dick's glasses. He finally finds Dick tied up in the back of a police jeep. And he's (laughs) been slashed by the creature. Inside the apartment, Michelle is attacked by the creature and she gets some shots in. Before Dick and the Dick Stone combo arrives on the scene. Hell yeah. Dick blows up Stone's kitchen trying to kill a rat. <laughs> and then he passes up. It. <laughs> While knocked out, Stone sees that the creature didn't just slash Dick, but carved a map symbol thingy on his chest.
1: There's also, this part gave me the biggest laugh throughout the entire movie when uh, Dick Durbin is. He doesn't know that he's killed the rat and Nuckerhauer pulls up the half destroyed rat. And then he touches his chest. He sees their blood and he says, cool, I'm bleeding. And then just falls face first because he, I guess, passes out at the side of blood. Maybe.
2: Also, this is the second point in this movie where I start to think that maybe Dick Durbin is an actual superhero because he gets shot the fuck through a window, like a second story window and he's just walking around. He's like, you ever heard of a bulletproof vest, idiot? And you're like, yeah, but I've never heard of a two-story fall. And you're just walking. And then he comes back and he's like, ooh, I'm, uh, I am got I got like an itchy chest. And he opens his shirt and has been fucking knifed all the way down his chest. He doesn't feel pain.
0: The cool thing is, is that they're able to somehow then take an actual map out and then put it up against his chest and are like, okay, we've triangulated. The exact location of the creature's lair based on the, the carving he left in your chest.
2: This, this legitimately cool. happens. Yeah.
0: Now Michelle is now missing. They don't really tell us that in the moment. They just tell us after the fact, like, oh hey, guess what? Michelle's now missing. Sure. So they use the map to now hunt down Satan and get her back. The two boys go over and talk to old rat catcher. The rat catcher is a is something like a leader of homeless people and sewer dwellers. And after some coaxing, they convince him to take them to the abandoned part of London so they can catch and kill Satan.
1: Just a really quick thing. I don't understand why this movie wasn't about the rat catcher.
0: I agree. What a character. Michael J. Pollard, the rat catcher Tango Tango and Catch, Oscar nominated Oscar nominated actor. Yeah, for not Bonnie the only Oscar
1: nominated actor in this film. I just it's true. It's true. Also, me, possibly
2: yeah, and possibly one of Nutcracker weirder friends that he invited onto the set. They yes. seem like they smoked a lot of uh, weird stuff together. Oh yeah,
0: fuck yeah! While prowling through the creatures lair, Durkin falls into a hole in the floor, just like the flashback from before. But he's cool. He just pops right back out. He's just now wet. But who wouldn't be wet around your hey, hour?
1: You're telling me.
0: <laughs> they then open an elevator and the bodies of the rat catcher and one of his goons fall out. Dead. A crime that we
1: only got like 15 seconds of the rat catcher. Yeah. Fun yeah. fact,
0: actually, is that uh, Michael J. Pollard, who plays the rat catcher, actually directed like a full day's worth of filming.
1: Well, because the director cool. fucking had bounced because he couldn't handle he it. He
0: was back. just like, fuck this. I cannot <laughs> handle the stress of being around such a masculine beef hunk that is it's Rutger Hour. I had to fuck right off. They yeah. then hear Michelle screaming and take off after her. They find her hanging from the ceiling in a tunnel, and then they say something about a circle of light that is preventing them from saving her, or they can't break the circle of light. It is <sighs> not explained. This is another Patrick. Don't ask questions, okay? This is not this is not a movie. You ask questions. You just embrace the chaos. I liked
2: this. I liked this. I enjoyed it. I thought it was cool. I thought uh, you've been through all this shitty occult stuff all the way through. Don't step into the light. I'm. I was cool with it.
0: Right as they free the creature, as they free her, the creature emerges from the water and attacks. Stone empties about seven hundred rounds into an abandoned subway car. (laughs) Then he is pretty much molested by the monster.
1: Very, very sensual scene here.
0: Oh, yeah. Like the the monster
1: slowly takes off his glasses. Yes. And then proceeds to reach down into his pants. Where he previously nutted in this movie that we talked about, about an hour right. and a half.
2: ago. He hasn't showered. Since oh, he that definitely, moment. definitely hasn't showered. There's just a bunch of
1: dry nut in there. And then tripped in the subway car. This is just, just, yeah, very sexual scene here.
0: It's at this point that Dick now throws a grenade into the subway car, which blows up the subway car, but almost kills everyone else in the process.
2: Actual quote in the movie nice timing. I loved that. That was one of my favorite action movie quotes in the whole movie. Nice
1: timing.
2: At this point, they're all
0: blown to the ground, and somehow Stone and Michelle are in each other's a- arms when they land, so they mouse
2: each other while the world burns.
0: <laughs> to give the creature a final dose for good measure, Stone grabs a loose cable, drags it over so that he can electrocute the monster, which he's able to do. However, that's not good enough, and Stone is attacked once more. In one final attempt to kill the monster, Stone Literally pulls a Kano from Mortal Kombat and punches a hole through the monster's chest. And pulls I was gonna call it a Lloyd fucking heart.
2: I was gonna call it a Lloyd Christmas from Dumb and Dumber, but I'm cool with that. Look, he literally
0: it- rips the heart out of the fucking <laughs> xenomorph's chest.
2: Yeah, because there was a, already a
1: slit cut into his costume that he could just reach into. Okay, Unbelievable. Well- here
0: okay no i'm sorry that was the full force but rugger actually killed the person in the costume when he did that. <laughs> yes, that is actually true i did read that legitimately, legitimately killed a man the on out of that
1: set. that yeah, yeah yeah he was he was don't worry to be the next, though the next big thing in hollywood but fucking
0: dead. good old dick durbin steps up to the plate <laughs> and then immediately explodes the creature with his big fucking gun
2: yeah
0: the trio then strolls off with debris at their backs in a speedboat in their future and ride off in the sunset in a goddamn speedboat
1: i cannot believe this it's like all of a sudden there's just like a little voiceover about it's like what i wish that this movie had been that the entire time that it was dick durbin telling the story of the night that him (laughs) and his true love
2: harley stone killed satan but
1: instead they just randomly introduce this at the end of the movie.
2: Yeah, it was the it was a really nice spot. Now I can't believe that we skipped over the fact that Nutker Hauer has that heart in his hands. He holds the heart up out away from his body, takes his cannon gun, already referred to by multiple people as a really intense, way too powerful gun, and shoots the heart. Out of his own hand. Two things. Super dangerous. Kids, don't try this at home. Don't do it. Number two. Um, this is the final song in the musical. Shoot me in the heart. Parentheses in your hands. Great. Uh, so that's our, uh, that's our final number. I just wanted everybody to know.
0: Don't worry, though. Before the film ends, we get a shot of the water in the sewer. And we see air bubbles rising to the surface.
2: Dot, dot, dot that's Roll the name. That's literally credits. the name of the bow music that i wrote you just said it out loud you didn't even know that that was happening but air bubbles dot 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 are the bow music for our musical i just wanted every like that's incredible
1: the truth is yeah. that those bubbles were actually the bubbles from a fart underwater because that's what this movie is it's just a wet fart
0: I'm sorry. Um, We rolled credits, Patrick. Why don't you take us home with a little bit of trivia and then you can bitch and moan about how much you dislike this movie.
1: All right. let's Let's see how this goes. Let's see how this goes. Associate producer and screenwriter Gary Scott Thompson, as previously discussed, creator of the greatest franchise in the history of film, Fast and Furious. His original 1988 spec script was titled Pentagram. It took place in Los Angeles, California, and involved a ritualistic serial killer who murders five people every five years, during the last quarter century and leaves a pentagram symbol after each kill this final or the, excuse me, this first version, very different than final. This first version of the script was an action buddy cop horror movie with occult overtones. Pentagram got Thompson more jobs before it was finally picked up by the head of the challenge films, Laura Gregory and production manager, Susan Nicoletti, who got director Tony Malam, Malam, involved. All three told Thompson to change the script because the story was too similar to the horror thriller, the first power of 1990 Thompson rewrote the script and titled it black tide. This version was close to the final movie taking place in London, England, which was half underwater due to global warming. The script continued to be written during production in particular, the ending our boy nutger told Thompson to rewrite it, to make it more physical with more focus on psychic connection between stone and the creature And then another piece of trivia. Final piece of trivia: Knuckerhauer's super powerful handgun is actually a modified Crosman Airguns model three three five seven CO two powered paintball revolver. It fires fifty caliber paintballs from a six shot cylinder. It was used in the popular paintball games of the time, and is a way for foresters to mark trees for harvesting or culling using different colors of paint.
2: Well, no wonder he didn't kill Satan. Mm, He kept shooting paintballs at Satan, idiot.
0: You can blow up a rat with paintballs, apparently, though, but you can't kill Satan. You can apparently, though, rip his heart out. All right, boys, well, that brings us to the final segment, Save It or Can It. So at the end of this, we ask, like we always do on every single episode, we ask the boys, the girls, the audience, everyone who comes on, we ask Mm. them, would you save this film or would you can this film? We'll start with you, Patrick. We'll get you out of the way. (laughs) <laughs> save it or
1: can't Look, I know Howard is your father. But True. I look, I had a blast talking about this movie. If talking about this movie, like if the fun I had talking about this movie was the same fun I had watching this movie, I would say 10 out of 10. But I just I didn't really love this. I I was honestly a bit bored for a lot of it. I thought a lot of what they did was interesting. And I thought a lot of what they did like had potential, but I think it suffered from a story perspective. Like I thought Knucker was great. I thought Dick Durbin was great. I thought the premise was interesting. I just didn't think the execution was there for me particularly. So this is, and also like going back to my initial thoughts by the end of it, like with the demon I got, like I understood why this falls within the genre of trash cinema, but it took me like an hour to understand why Like no disrespect intended with this statement. It took Mm -hmm. me like an hour to understand why this movie was like made sense for this podcast. Um, it just didn't like with all the other ones that we've watched, I was surprised that this one fit into that, uh, that mold, but by the credits, I understood why it just took a long time to get there for me. Um, but um so overall, unfortunately, this is a candidate for me. Respectfully, this is a candidate for me. Uh, uh, and if we had a little bit more time, I would unveil the new topic or the new uh, segment that is my official ranking of every STC movie we've ever watched. But we'll save that for another time.
0: All right. Well, thank you, Patrick. I hate you. Moving on to someone who I <laughs> hope has better thoughts. Jeremiah, Ooh. why don't you tell us what you think? Save it or can it?
2: Okay, two things. One, I think we have to have a mini-sode soon so that we hear Patrick's ranking cuz that's too much of a tease. Um, but number two, I I really liked this movie. Like I I don't know uh, I think I agree with Patrick in a totally different way. Like as we as I was watching this movie, I was like, why why is this considered trash cinema cuz this has fucking Nuckerhauer and Fucking Dick Durbin, hmm. one of my favorite ac- new actors of all time, <laughs> uh, and uh, there's so much hap- like so much going on. There was a lot of like, uh, you know, '90s uh, dialogue. There, they brought back the fact that he had fucked his um, partner's girl- girlfriend multiple mm-hmm. times, um, including a time where he says, where somebody says it to his face. I don't care that you his girlfriend or whatever i i just i really liked the movie i felt like i could see it coming on on like tbs on a saturday afternoon and sitting through it and being like what the fuck is this like it uh it hits that level which is above the save uh column for me like if you if i'm gonna keep it on on tbs on a saturday i can't throw it in the trash uh, otherwise i promise you I'm going to keep this in my Amazon Prime queue for as long as it takes until it fades out of the Amazon queue because I watch more stuff. So this is a save. Just to be clear, this is a save for you.
0: This is a save on like... Is that what save means? I guess that, yeah, that would be a save for me. Yeah.
2: All right. So
0: look, I I think to, to piggyback on something you said, Patrick, I think you, like we have very differing opinions on this. But for me, I think the reason why I love this movie so much is because it does take time before it goes 100% off rails. Like, sure. were, it starts yeah. off, and you're like, Jesus Christ, Ruger like, Hour is insane. Like, he's absolutely insane in this movie. And I definitely think that he could have potentially been hospitalized immediately after this. <laughs> he's wild. And like, for that, you're like, okay, cool. But it, it plays itself like just kind of a standard, like, cop noir almost. Uh, Like one of those like early 90s cop thrillers at the beginning. And then it just goes so fucking off rails by the end that you're just like, I don't know. For me, it elevates the movie so much more because like you get this like set notion that like, oh, I've seen this before. Mm -hmm. I've seen this movie before and this movie done actually well, where then it's like, you know what? Fuck your preconceived notions. This movie is about Satan. And you're like, what the hell the fuck? But the thing is, in a top movie like this, you don't ask questions. You just enjoy the ride. And for me, I enjoy the ride. And I absolutely fucking love it. I think this movie is just... But it's also like, not only is it just like a fun movie to me, but it's also one that I don't think like a lot of people have ever seen. Like no yeah. one, like you can say like Troll 2 or Samurai Cop or like even to something like, you know, My Bloody Valentine. Like people will be like, yes, I've heard of this movie. Like the, the amount of people who've never seen this movie has to be ridiculously high. And like that's even more of a reason to, to host it on this show because I feel like this is a movie for people who love movies that are just weird as shit. And it, yeah. this movie is weird as shit.
2: And has a lot of money going into it. Like you can tell oh, yeah. in the first couple frames, the hover boat uh, going across the water, you can tell how much money is put into those shots. Um, it's really, it's cool. and And it takes a turn at the end, but that's a director change and like a solo, a Star Wars story thing that you can go back and be like, okay, this was kind of cool and all the things that I liked of it. You know what I mean? You get to pick and choose those uh, really cool things. I thought the alien jumping out of the water was fucking awesome. I thought like legitimately cool. cool. Yeah.
0: Yeah. There's there's a lot of really cool moments.
1: I will say like as a final point for me, I could see myself enjoying this movie a lot more on a second viewing. I think not knowing where it was going and like not having that, that kind of context of the movie, the first viewing, I think colored it a lot. So I can see like going into it now that I understand what I'm getting into, I might come around on it on a second viewing, but as of today,
2: well, then watch it twice before the podcast asshole. Yeah, bro. Maybe. Yeah. Waste all of
1: your
0: time on just this podcast, please. But <sighs> hey, the votes are in. It's a, it's a save from the podcast today. This is a, this is a save for the podcast. Ow, well, speaking, of the, speaking of the podcast guys, if you've enjoyed the show, please rate review and share the hell of with your friends, loved ones, and worst of enemies, honestly, word of mouth is key here, and we aren't beggars. Also, fuck Keith. If you are interested in <laughs> video games, check out our sister podcast, the Spotlight Games podcast, and all your favorite streaming services. We also have a YouTube channel, so don't be a heathen, and watch us banter about video games there as well. Also, we're streaming live on Twitch every Tuesday at 8 p.m., so come check us out on Tuesday uh, on Twitch. In the meantime, you can follow me at and Patrick, where can they follow
2: you? At Patrick Schwag on Twitter. Jeremiah. At Jeremiah P. Hobbs, Twitter and Instagram. Oop, I love you, Keith. And you can also
0: follow our sister podcast at Spot Games Spot on Twitter and Spotlight Games Podcast on Instagram. If you want to be part of the show, whether it be a guest host or have a movie recommendation, you can reach us at Save Trash Cinema at gmail.com or Save Trash Cinema on all socials. Remember, fight big box office. Save Trash Cinema.
2: Stop. It's quite a hole. Did you get to
0: see him? Him? It wasn't a him, that was a fucking it! We could to get bigger guns! Take a deep breath.